0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this evening is from the Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. My dear friends in Christ, um, Marie Kondo, I don't know if you've heard that name before, has written a ton of books on organizing stuff, which uh, has sold over 30 million copies worldwide. They've been translated from Japanese into Korean and Chinese and French and German and English and, and even more. She wrote one in 2011 called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. And that's been published in over 30 countries. Bestseller, Japan, Europe, United States. And, and in 2015, she was actually even listed as Times uh, one of Time's 100 Most Influential People. And she's kind of struck gold, I mean, honestly, because she realizes that people are surrounded by so much, and and a lot of it is just complex, and and it's just cluttered. There was a story of a father teaching his three-year-old daughter the Lord's Prayer. Not my story, but a story I heard. And she would repeat the lines after him like every good little girl does. And finally, she decided, no, tonight I want to do it on my own. And so she started, and he listens with pride as she's enunciating each word, and then he gets to the end of the prayer with her, and she says, lead us not into temptation, and then she prays and deliver us from email. Deliver us from email. It's true. I, I cannot imagine my life without email because it sounds so wonderful. Marie Kondo, what she does is she organizes things in what's called the kanmari method. It, it basically takes your belongings, it gathers them all in one place, and, and you take them in one category at a time, and you keep those things only that she say, says sparks joy. The Japanese for that is toki meku, which means that your heart flutters or, or throbs. So this kanmari method actually is not too bad. Everyone is using this. It's very popular. Who, who doesn't need to simplify in their lives? Who doesn't want to declutter? Who doesn't want that spark of joy? Now, this Lent, through our series, we have been meeting witnesses to Christ's passion in John's Gospel. And today, John introduces us to the Marie Kondo of the Bible. Who's that? That's well, Mary the sister of Lazarus and Martha. Mary helps us simplify and declutter, and by her example we see how we can spark joy. Now, how does she do it? That's the question. Mary replaces get get, with give. That's it. She replaces get with give. It's fairly simple. Because get only clutters things. Get only confuses things. Get makes us miserable. Get ahead, get back, get even, get more, whatever you do, get revenge. Every time we get, it's a problem for us. And so she takes this get what she can get from Jesus, what she can get from the people around her, what she can get from charging people to come in the door to see her brother raised from the dead, she replaces all of that with giving. Are you stuck in some emotional rut? Have you lost zest and zeal even for the Lord? Do you want that spark of joy? Do what Mary does. Replace get with give. And here's the context. John 11, Lazarus dies. After four days, he stinks beyond all heaven, right? I mean, when Jesus says, roll away the stone, the argument isn't, well, he can't come back from the dead. It's, he's going to stink really, really bad. But Jesus stands in front of that tomb and he weeps. And then as that stone is rolled away, he shouts, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, wrapped up still in his burial linens, comes out of this tomb, stumbling. And there he is, alive, maybe stinky, we're not sure. Now, as for the Jewish leaders who heard about this, this is the last straw, right? By raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus moves from this category of manageable nuisance into the category of serious threat. So, from that day on, John says in, in chapter 11, they made plans to put him to death. His days are numbered. And so as we come then into John 12, Jesus has a price on his head. And so does Lazarus, because the chief priest had made plans to put Lazarus to death as well as Jesus. Because on the count of him, many people were believing in Jesus. We have to destroy Jesus, they said. We have to destroy even the evidence of Jesus, they said. That means we must destroy Lazarus. And that's the context. But here's the cost. Mary takes a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair. How much does that ointment cost? We're told it's a year's income. I mean, can you imagine that, dropping a year's income? It's like walking into Ulta, that beauty store, and finding the most expensive bottle of cologne or perfume and paying an entire year's income on just that. It's crazy. It's insane. It's silly. It's excessive. Now, Judas. Judas decides to speak up. And when Judas speaks, it's usually never a good thing, right? And it's no different tonight. Because Mary here is extravagant. Mary's excessive. She's gone over the top. But Judas, he's concerned. One of the disciples that is about to betray him, John writes. He says, why was the ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said it not because he actually cared about the poor, but because he liked to skim off the top when he wanted Judas is threatened. The money that he saw in that ointment is gone. His world, it's like it's crashing in on him. And because Mary lives by this one word, give, he has to put up a stink. The comparison between Judas and Mary really isn't anything more than black and white. Mary is the generous disciple. Judas is a greedy disciple. Mary gives with abandonment. Judas is miserly. Mary sacrifices financially. Judas doesn't give a nickel. Mary shows her faith with her actions, and Judas talks a good game, giving money to the poor, but we know he doesn't mean it. Mary loves this word give, but Judas just wants to get. Get more, get ahead, get on top. And you know what? It's going to kill Judas. That temptation is too great. And all of this is going to lead to the cross, right? Jesus responds to Judas with, Leave her alone! That way she can keep this ointment for the day of my burial. Now, I don't know how much of that she poured on Jesus. I don't know if it was all of it, or most of it, or some of it, but Jesus knows what's coming soon. Jesus knows that she's going to need this to wrap Him in His linens. Mary understands The cross. And Mary believes the words that John the baptizer spoke. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then again, destroy this temple, Jesus says, and in three days I will raise it up. Mary believes this. And in John 3, Jesus says, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Mary got this, and so she gives everything she has to Jesus. In doing so, she prepares Jesus to give everything that he has to you. And this room, then, is just filled with the smell of this perfume. I mean, smells are pretty powerful, right? The smell of a a rose catches your nose, and suddenly you remember that first date that you had in high school. Maybe it's the scent of your grandmother's perfume, and memories of her come flooding back. While words go to this thinking part of our brain, smells go to the emotional part. That's why that smell of grandma, well, brings back all the emotions that we felt for her. Smells stir that, us, stir that up in us. And it's true for Jesus. That smell of strong perfume is going to linger with Jesus throughout Holy Week as he makes his way to the cross. And even on Good Friday, the fragrance of Mary's perfume is still going to be there. And perhaps, just perhaps, when Jesus gives himself up completely all his love and his mercy and his grace for you, holding back nothing for you, he might have faintly smelled that sweet fragrance still on his feet. A reminder that Mary had marked him with this wonderful gift. Matthew 26, Mark 14, they both state the same thing about Mary. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done is also going to be told in memory of her. Why is that? Because the kingdom of God isn't about hoarding and stockpiling. The kingdom of God isn't about being chintzy or cheap. The kingdom of God isn't about get. Get is going to kill us. Always and forevermore, God's kingdom is about one thing. Give. Give. And then what happens? Well, sparks of joy. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, she shows us that the kingdom of God is about giving lavishly, giving generously, giving joyfully, giving completely. She is, for us, a picture of Jesus. She shows us what it is that Jesus gives up the worth of His life. Wherever this gospel is proclaimed then, what she has done is going to be told in memory of her. Jesus doesn't say this about anybody else. So thanks to Mary, we can boil down life as a child of God to one simple, one powerful, one life-changing word. A word that we see from the very cross of Christ, a word that reminds us what the Christian life is all about in memory of Mary and certainly in memory of Jesus as we think to his cross during this Lenten time. That one word will create so much joy. That word is give. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.